Okay, now we're back with another episode of Food in the Hood. That's right. And today we have a very special guest joining us, all the way from Wahinninghun, same school as Ben, and her name. I always join from Wahinninghun. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, you too. Well, we have another special guest who also is joining from Wahinninghun, uh, and her name is Abby Thiel. And we are so excited to have you with us today, Abby. Thank you so much for being here. I am also very excited to be here. Yes, yes, and you know, Abby, she is a Wisconsin native, mm-hmm. and she's from the U.S. originally. And she did her bachelor's of food science at University of Wisconsin, um, and then spent about six years doing her PhD studying something we all love. You know, even the lactose intolerant people <laughs> among us all, ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And what's also super interesting is,、um, you know, she's doing her postdoc research right now at Wageningen in the Netherlands. But Abby also has a YouTube channel called Abby the Food Scientist, and that's what we're here to talk about today because I think this is such an exciting channel. We're so lucky to have a content like this on YouTube for the food science curious amongst us. So, Abby, thank you so much again for joining us. No, that was a very、yeah. kind introduction. Yes. Yeah. Anything? Anything we missed、uh, about you? Or no, no. I think you covered it. So I was at University of Wisconsin for basically my whole education, bachelor's through、yeah. PhD. So that makes it easy to remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you have been in Wisconsin all your life.、Almost. Yes. Yes. And then now you flew not just to another state, but across、mm-hmm. the ocean to Netherlands to do your postdoc. That's quite、yeah. the journey. Yes.、Yeah, so I was inspired. I was lucky during part of my PhD. I got to go to Australia for six months. So we had a collaborator, and his lab just happened to be in Australia. So I got sort of a taste for going abroad. And I knew once I once I went there, I was like, I really would like to do that again.、Mm. That's awesome. That's excellent.、Oh、yeah. Yeah. And、um, yeah. So. Kind of as an icebreaker question, or or we 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 like to pitch this one to a food scientist, and uh, uh, of course to you、uh, as the food scientist, also on yeah, food scientist on YouTube as well.、Um, so, what's your food sciencey pickup line, or what, what's the number one food science trivia that you would say to a stranger?、Um, just、uh, something that、uh, you could share with us. Yeah, this, I'm gonna do one about ice cream, and I actually like to tell people things they can go do. So I love to explain like the difference between a like premium, expensive ice cream and the cheapest brand on the market. So I tell people like you can tell the difference between a good ice cream and a bad ice cream by weight by just like picking up two pints because the cheapest brand、mm. just mixes in a ton of air because、oh. that's. And、right. so it'll be really, really light. Whereas if you hold like a Hagen Dazs or something where there's like a lot of fat, it's like premium, really creamy. It will feel heavier, and there's less air. Okay, I'm gonna、oh, go do that right after this、yes. call because I am、yeah. going grocery shopping. <laughs> yeah, and、that's、is、awesome. there any? Yeah, and is, is there any regulation on the? Density or or、uh, I think I think there is yeah a, yeah, a maximum、oh. amount of air. But、mm-hmm. if you want to make like 
a super premium premium ice cream you will be lower than that yes right, right, right. absolutely <laughs> i see yeah 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 because you used to research ice cream mm -hmm. and you probably have tried many different brands of ice cream in your lifetime maybe more than an average person um <laughs> what would be your favorite ice cream brand to you that's the most premium Ooh. I mean, usually if I go to the grocery store, I will get Ben and Jerry's because I also mm. love the big chunks, like big yes. inclusions. Oh, that's yes. the best. I hate Is there when... one called like Chunky Monkey or something? Yes. 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 Wow. That one's really yes. good. I really like Half Baked is the one I get. It has brownie pieces and cookie dough. So I'm like, oh, that's the life. Mm -hmm. wow, Guys, I listen see. up. This is coming from a food science <laughs> ice cream researcher. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, but, here... and, and that's not restrict. Sorry, uh, it's not no, restricted to uh, to to geographic restrictions. That here, normally you would in the Netherlands, you would just find Ben and Jerry's. Uh, but yes, perhaps also in the states uh, that you would also eat Ben and Jerry's or something else. Yes, actually, here I have gotten Ben and Jerry's, but it's expensive. Mm. Oh man! Uh, Once I looked at yeah. the price tag, I was like. Oh, yeah. so yeah, sometimes I, I will go cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, interesting. So this is actually more of a preference uh, from the U.S. Yes, yes, okay. absolutely. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. All right. Yeah. So here, we're really here today to talk about your YouTube channel, Abby. And mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about how you got started uh, making YouTube videos in general? Because I know you also do some other food science communication mm -hmm. type stuff on the side, right? So what made you interested in the YouTube medium? Yes. So looking back, I started my YouTube channel at a very weird, funny time in my life. So I had had the idea for a while and I had, before I officially started it, I had like recorded, you know, taped some videos, but it's very weird when you record yourself. <laughs> and what was kind of the final push to actually make a YouTube channel and start was March, 2020. So like COVID had hit and we were in lockdown and I was writing my PhD dissertation which uh, meant now every day in my small ap apartment, I'm supposed to be writing this like huge book of the past six years of my life. It's very mm -hmm. overwhelming and it's very not fun. Like it's, it's a lot. And so finally I was like, I need some outlet to be creative and to not work on my PhD dissertation. And so it was just that like, I right, you're locked down. You can't, do anything and so that's really when it actually happened mm -hmm. so your youtube channel is as old as covid is yes what you're saying <laughs> yes <laughs> exactly right wow that's great and i think you know that that's really like a great part right of youtube as a medium because you get to have that creative outlet but also you're doing something where it's very sciencey very stem very mm -hmm focus on communicating accurate information to to your audience. Um, so compared to some of the other things that you do on the site, like writing food science articles, mm -hmm. etc. Um, I guess what are some things about making videos that are different, right? What's what's I guess more challenging about it or more fun about it? Right? Yes. So videos 
is hard <laughs> because people see your face. And that, that's why I was hung up for a while because I wrote blog posts and I was like, well, it's the same content, just in a different form. But I feel like actually putting your face on something is much more difficult than putting your name on an article. So that mm-hmm. was one reason I was very hesitant, I would say. And when I first started recording, like you can go back to my first videos, like they're super different. Oh man, I've learned a lot along the way and I'm still learning. So I do not go back and watch those videos. Yes. Well, Amanda and I haven't really listened to our first uh, episodes at all. We feel you completely. I can't listen to the first episode of our Mm -hmm. podcast. Amazing Uh range. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. But but then uh, you you kept on going, right? Well, or, or mm-hmm. maybe we should dial back a little and talk a, a bit of your content. Uh, as we mentioned, it, it's STEM focus. It definitely mm-hmm. talks about food science. Um, and, and what, but how would you how how would you like elevator pitch your your oh, channel? Sure. What, what are some short intros that you would yes. tell people? Yeah. yeah. So I like to think about it as it's food science for everyone. So it's not like I talk at like a PhD level about like research with terms you wouldn't understand. So mm-hmm. one thing that makes me really passionate about it is. I want people to know about food science, that like food science is an option because Mm -hmm. I heard about food science. I was already at UW-Madison and the only reason I found food science was because I was unhappy in the major I was in and I like Googled UW-Madison science majors. I had Mm -hmm. no clue it existed. And I think that's really a pity because a lot of younger people don't know that it's even an option. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So uh, that that's very true. And and I think it's still one of the biggest uh, missions of of, at least in the U.S. Mm -hmm. of food science departments was to outreach and to really uh, do a a lot of public relation to to tell people what it is. but then, then you, you the the videos uh, goes on for you know now I don't know if you keep track. There's been like, uh, like oh I I don't I mean I think it's been like three years, two or three yeah. years, and I have maybe like sixty videos at this point. Wow. Or, oh wow! I think yeah. around that. Yeah, that is awesome. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and um and what makes you keep going? Like like that's a that's a thing, right? That, like. I can understand when, when you're locked in a room for mm-hmm. uh, at the first of the pandemic, that's mm-hmm. fine. And then like, uh, what keeps you going? That's, I, I guess, uh, the question. Yes. Here. Yeah. The, I would say, because I was very nervous when I first started the channel, but the reception to like videos, the comments has been very positive. And I get a lot of people saying like, wow, I didn't know food science was a thing. Or I have younger students reaching out saying, I'm applying to grad school. What should I, what skills should I have? How do I apply? Do I do a master's degree based on a thesis or a non-thesis? And it's like mm-hmm. food science is not well known and you can't find information on these mm-hmm. questions. It's so specific that nothing is really out there to help people. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so true compared mm-hmm. to pre-med or pre-law yes. or some of the other disciplines, right? There is really mm-hmm. like a dear of information out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Students would reach out, but also perhaps part of your audience are also just, just like day-to-day people. Regular yes. folks. And they would, they would learn things about uh, these 
unnoticed natural stuff that uh, right. people are given for mm-hmm. granted kind of deal. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Mm-hmm. I was just yeah. watching one of your videos earlier with the best buy, use buy, freeze yes. buy, all those dates and what they mean, right? I've actually uh-huh. had people ask me the same questions and I couldn't totally answer them. Right. So what I think what you're doing are things that people are actually very curious and interested about, but there's maybe no centralized resource where they can, you know, watch a short, short video and then see something and learn about it, right? So I think that's that's really mm-hmm. great. I um, I agree. I often use my family as inspiration for questions yeah. they ask me or someone makes right. a comment about food and I'm like, oh, that's not true. So it's like an outlet yeah. for frustrating conversations. <laughs> totally. That's awesome. Yeah, that was going to run into my next question, which was because you have, you know, YouTube videos that range in, the, you know, from food fraud to best buy dates, right, to how chocolate is made. It's really a wide range of mm-hmm. topics. And besides your family, family conversations as fodder for inspiration. Um, are there other kind of sources where you get ideas for not just, I guess, what topic to make, but also how you want to approach talking about a particular topic or subject, right? How yes. you will want to deliver it or explain it. Yeah, I often tell people my YouTube channel is just about something that I happen to be interested in that week like I read something on the internet or like in a magazine and I was like huh I think I'm gonna learn more about this so that's why the topics are all over the place because I love it (laughs) I find this interesting I was gonna read it anyways so why don't I just make it into a video or a blog post so there is not always a rhyme or a reason but actually, mm-hmm. uh, the my newest video, the food fraud one, that is a little bit of a different story because um, probably you also have taken like a food law class. We mm-hmm. usually have to. And I found that class super boring. I did not really care for it. Mm-hmm. But Thank I, you for saying what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's, we it's, care it's, to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and I just... I mean, I watch like a lot of true crime, like TV series, the documentaries. And at some point it just like clicked. And I was like, this happens in food all the time. There are food crimes that have killed people like all the way back through history. I wish Mm -hmm. like my class would have been taught like that or like that Mm -hmm. would be the perspective because I would have tried a lot harder. Right. Yeah. Depending yeah. on how they present it to ma- yes. the material, that is really important, right? right? In food science mm-hmm. education and mm-hmm. educating anything in particular. So that's yes. awesome. I love the cross clash between yes. true crime documentary <laughs> and food fraud. I know. Yes. Uh, and I think like the one thing that has helped me is I have a lot of teaching experience. Uh-huh. So I always think like, ah, nice. can I get the students to pay attention to me? Like, what will they find intriguing about this topic that that's where I want to start to get their attention? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, right, right. And uh, so among all these episodes, right, what are some of the most fun episodes that you've made? Uh, mm. You probably have all your attentions around, but then uh, what's uh, what are some most memorable ones? Yes, one that was really fun because it involved a lot of experiments in the kitchen was um, the difference between dunking Oreos in chocolate versus white milk. And... I had never heard of this before, but actually I was still at UW-Madison and I think it was like a Vox journalist emailed my professor 
my advisor and saying okay. like, hey, we're looking into this this weird phenomenon where it's like if you dip Oreos into chocolate milk, they don't get as soggy. And so he forwards it to me because I like these weird science little projects. So he's like, Abby, have you ever heard of this? I had not. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, went to the grocery store and got Oreos and different types of milk and started like recording different experiments because there, there is a huge difference between if you dunk an Oreo in chocolate milk and white milk, like it does not get uh -huh. as soggy in that chocolate oh, mouth. Yes. Yeah. I wonder why. Okay. So this so, observation yeah. is true. Yes. Yes. It's absolutely okay. true. And then the cutest thing happened. So I posted that video and I did some like really simple experiments in, in my kitchen. Like I, it wasn't like a lab or anything. Mm -hmm. But then I posted that video and I got an email from a student who went to Purdue. She was kind of like the food engineering major in Purdue and she had to take a semester off so she watched my video and then performed more experiments and oh my goodness. Wow. support of her findings it wow. was it was so cute she went and bought wow. like 13 different milks and oh tried. my lord yes that is yeah. dedication and mm -hmm. I love how it went from the Vox journalist to you yes. and her like the chain well, it all started from curiosity. Vox. <laughs> Everything started from boss. Yeah. 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 And I okay. think that spirit of like having a question and then kind of like just going out there and finding empirical evidence yourself by mm -hmm. just trying it out in your kitchen. I think that's also what makes food science something that's very accessible right, right. to people. And mm -hmm. that's why people are so curious about it too, right? It's we all yeah. eat food, food is everywhere, right? Yeah. And I kind of think that for you as well, because I know just now you brought up whenever you have a, you read an article or you mm -hmm. come across a certain piece of content, it piques your own interest mm -hmm. and you end up making a video about it. And I think a lot of that, I guess, like curiosity is very apparent when I talk to you and look mm -hmm. at your videos, right? So is that something is is that something that has always been the case in your family? Was it something mm -hmm. that they nurtured in you, right? I think this is very important in STEM education yeah. to have that curiosity. Yes, I think I really started to grow into that in graduate school. So like the six years I was doing my master's, then PhD, because mm -hmm. my advisor gave me a ton of freedom. Like he would not spell out what I was supposed to do day by day. Like I would meet with him every once in a while and tell him, you know, oh, this is weird. I saw this happen. And he'd be like, okay, go figure it out. But he'd be like, mm -hmm. you can do it. Like it's your project, you know, explore and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I think having that and knowing like you're supported, but like, yeah, just go into lab, just go figure it out is you know, having like a mentor like that really like helps you feel that you can do that where I know some, some advisors are more uh, strict. Like if, mm -hmm. if you're in lab, they want to know what exactly you're doing in lab. That was not my mentor at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the freedom to really explore mm -hmm. and play around while being supported. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that being supported part, it's very Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think in grad school, I also learned that you need to fail, like failing is part of the scientific process. So it's okay if that was part of it, where before grad school, I would not have accepted failure. I would have, I would have been devastated. Right, right. Absolutely.
Yeah. Right. And we can definitely talk more about this. I have so many follow-up questions <laughs> to what you just said um, on, on the on the academic episode as well. That is, yes. yeah, yeah, I concur. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and then also, so YouTube is one of the formats, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, kids these days, everyone's <laughs> on TikTok, you know, there's also Twitter. There's so many different, I guess, like digital medium mm -hmm. through which you can communicate. Um, do you think you might ever want to break out into like TikTok or Instagram reels or any of those <sighs> other mediums out there that people are on? I, I won't say it will never happen, but mm -hmm. as long as I have a full-time job, I think it would be really hard because I already, I already spend so much time on like my, my YouTube channel and uh -huh. writing blog posts that I just don't know if I can do any more because... Mm -hmm. I try to have like a very strict boundary between my full-time job and my YouTube channel so that I don't right. get into any trouble. Right, absolutely. Um, right. But maybe in the future. Yeah. Uh -huh. that, that also makes yeah. me curious. So an, a YouTube video from ideation to all the research that you do personally behind it mm -hmm. to recording it, producing it, how long does that process usually take you? Oh, it takes actually quite a while. For, for me, honestly, the longest part is probably editing the video and like adding the B-roll and adding the sounds and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. But I could say a video could take anywhere between five and 10 hours. It depends oh, wow. how long it is. And yeah. honestly, right. I've gotten oh. faster is the sad part. Like I, I have gotten like better at it, but it's still, it, uh -huh. it takes, yeah, a good chunk of like the weekend or an evening for sure. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Uh -huh. Wow. wow. Yeah. So that's some dedications because you yeah, have absolutely. a very consistent 60 release episodes schedule. episodes times yeah. 10 hours is like yeah. 600 hours. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. And, and um, so what are, uh, well, well, I guess a, a video ranges what from five, maybe to 10 or 15 minutes long, yeah. right? And how do you, because you mentioned that a little bit, you, you compared it to teaching, right? You want to mm -hmm. get people's attention. Um, how is, how, how do you do that with, with, uh, with, with talking about food science topics? Uh, what are some tips that you have about communicating? Yes, this was something that was hard for me to learn because for six years I was being taught how to be a scientist and how to write mm -hmm. like a scientist and no one likes how scientists write <laughs> and so when I initially started blogging I was writing not for the audience. Like I, I, I was writing scientific blog posts and that's not what people want to read so I think I honestly felt like I had to unlearn so many things that took years for me to learn is the sad part. Like yeah. if I write a journal article, it's like one part of my brain. But if I'm writing a blog post, I have to like use a totally separate part of my brain because mm -hmm. those skills are really different. Mm -hmm. um, so like to have successful blog posts and YouTube channels part of me has to turn off like the super sciencey side. It's still a lot of science, but I have to think more of the audience. I can't be like selfish about it. I have to think like, mm -hmm. how could a general person understand this or a younger person? You know, mm -hmm. I don't know their background. So I want to teach it in the as simplest terms as possible. 
which again, that was nice because I have taught a lot of classes. So I'm used to like thinking, okay, this is very complex, but how could I break it down into smaller pieces? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And the continual so, practice of doing yes. that just helps you get better mm-hmm. and better at it. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point about knowing your audience, knowing what frame of mind they have and designing yes. your delivery around that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really mm-hmm. important. Yeah, yeah indeed. You, you mentioned an example of mentioning uh, like, like understanding your audience. Uh, but w- what about like like when you're making a video because you you don't quite know there's all kinds of people on the internet yeah right? so so what are w- what's the bar that you set uh, for or, or the typical yeah. persona that you think when you're talking into the camera mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say I would aim for it so that like a high schooler could understand it uh-huh. um, but I would say any like science term I use I try to define it right after it because especially a lot of people don't know food science, so they don't know the terms that I've gotten very, very used to. But I I want it to be understandable from like a high schooler. And even if people don't have like a science background, because I would like mm-hmm. people who don't have any degrees in science, maybe have never been interested in it. I think just because it's food, it could really be intriguing to them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. using food as a medium to learn yes. about, about scientific principles yeah. and laws mm-hmm. i love yeah. it yeah and that's actually one of our i think we also mentioned it in our previous episodes in, in on this podcast was food mm-hmm. is such a great topic to learn stem yes and um yeah and i think your channel is is dedicated to to it essentially I'm mm-hmm. doing a lot of these type of works, and I was just browsing. Well, while we were talking, I was just browsing <laughs> yes. the the list of videos that you made, and and these are so. Um, a lot of these are are you know our our uh, bread and butter mm-hmm. every day. But then uh, it's also uh, very uh, interesting topics that we can yeah. you know, share to the world. And, and uh, I think one of the things that we might be uh, well as food scientists. What were a little bit underdiscovered, well, it's just because some of these things are so common and nobody right. really think of it. Yeah. Um, so, so really appreciate this work that you have a, a, a really a, a medium to tell people mm-hmm. outside of uh, outside of food and and what are these things that we have. Um, you know what what are really our jobs is about, right? To, right. to do these things, yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, maybe we could drill into one of the topics, oh, or, or could yeah. or it's also one of uh, your your more recent uh, episode mm-hmm. or, or, or video about food crimes and food frauds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also quite interesting topic to us if, if we talk about the docu series, not the uh, lectures yeah. that we uh-huh. we took. <laughs> yes. So, yes. so, um, so, so, like. Um, uh, what 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 is considered as food fraud or or, or um what are some common because because we hear hear all these different like there's recalls going on all mm-hmm. the time about mm-hmm. food right and and um but but uh, are, are they all fraud or it like it involves criminal activities or uh, right. some of them just honest mistakes or what's our what, what are the lines that that's here Yeah, the funny thing as I've been researching food fraud is there are so many different types of crimes that would qualify as food fraud. So Mm -hmm. one is called like dilution, say you'd have like Uh ground pepper, but you dilute it with like ground juniper berries or some cheaper spice. Mm -hmm. 
that's one type um like another type would be like you add arsenic and you kill someone because of that but i think what ties all these crimes together is often it's made for like um people want more money or they want to make more money and so like food fraud would be any crime of like deception or um you know tricking the consumer that type of thing Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great way to explain it. Mm-hmm. Like economically mm-hmm. driven, yes. and people are not getting what they think they're getting. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, and it's often like unethical of, uh, like, considered as unethical. Uh, to do. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I think what's yeah. so the video it's, it's going to be a series, but the video that's out right now goes yeah. way back into history. And what's so interesting about food fraud then like i don't know i think i start in like 13th century england oh wow Wow. it's um it's not actually i went so far back that it actually wasn't a specific crime to make a lethal food product so for a long time people weren't prosecuted they couldn't be prosecuted with a crime because there was no law saying like you have to make safe nutritious food uh-huh. It was just a gamble. If you bought a bad batch, yeah, it was, it was a bad batch. Yeah. If you die, you die. Yeah. It's yeah. so different. Wow. Wow. Okay. I, yeah, because I, part of it was uh, uh, the pure food law uh, mm-hmm. from uh, and and um, uh, be- because uh, there were like because because these random things from from really old time was like oh you can have sawdust in your coffee grind yes. you yeah. uh mm-hmm. like it's it's milk is always diluted oh my with water yes. it's a, it's like yes. not even an option to have pure milk and, right yeah and people used to get very creative I was honestly anything that's like a ground food like you mentioned coffee mm-hmm. that is easy mm-hmm. to uh basically people would add like floor sweepings like they'd sweep the floor oh, and then add or they would uh yeah. like burn rope and like char the rope black and like add that like people uh, would just add the most random things uh, yeah wow very unethical but also like very creative yes i would have never thought to do that right. if i was trying to gain profits yeah and this is just basically to add weight to already right the, the, the product that you already have right the, mm-hmm. yes yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. yeah. wow yeah it's so fascinating and um i um you know we, we mentioned that there, you mentioned that this is a theory right so now the part one is out mm-hmm. and uh so and there there will be more and uh i assume this is more of a chronological order so you'll yes. go into more of the modern exactly yeah we should really try to get professors to include this in their like food quality food Uh fraud educational like syllabus right this is just more interesting to watch (laughs) and i feel like people will actually remember it that's what what i I thought too because the reason we have food laws now is because stuff like this happened and eventually people were angry enough that a law had to be made Exactly. I think it's hard for me when I was taking food quality classes and mm-hmm. food safety classes. It's always hard for me to remember all the rules and regulations. Yes. But if there's like a story that connects to like, this is why this food law was put into place because mm-hmm. someone put burnt rope yes. <laughs> in like <laughs> coffee grounds, right? Yeah. Like that yeah. is definitely going to help cement that in people's minds and help them learn and remember. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. let me, so I, a lot of my first uh, part one is with England, just because they have like a long history compared mm-hmm. to the US. Mm-hmm. And for example, like the final event that kind of spurred, uh, it, I think it was called like the, it was like Britain's like pure food and like adulteration law or something like their first big food law. What happened to spur that was at a birthday party, someone put arsenic trioxide in the cake and it killed 21 people at that party and so there obviously was a huge outcry because that's a lot of people and they ate a cake that killed them and it's this this really interesting story that the baker who made the cake so they bought the cake from a baker he went to the pharmacist to, to get plaster of paris he wanted to evidently color it with plaster of paris which Mostly I've used for like art projects or I think it's in like casts for your body or molding. So he went and asked the pharmacist, I need plaster of Paris. But the pharmacist messed up and gave him arsenic trioxide. So it's like this weird story. Oh, Mm -hmm. God. Okay. So so it was... In, well, it, the, the the intention was still bad, but yes, then it I was think like so. extra bad with, uh, with that mistake yes. from the pharmacist. Okay, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, wow. I'm never going to forget that now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah birthday yeah, cake, yeah. joyous celebration turns deadly. Right. right. Wow. Yeah, yeah wow. indeed. That's crazy. Well, yeah. So um, if you want to learn more, uh, go get on uh, Abby's uh, food science uh, uh, YouTube channel mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, you know there will be more and uh, we're all eager to wait for the next episode yes. but also don't work too hard yes thank you five to, ten, <laughs> five to two ten hours per episode yeah I yeah. actually have lots of friends who love true crime so I'm gonna send yes. those over to them because I think they yeah. would appreciate the format a lot mm-hmm. no it's so fun yeah, yeah. right well yeah. so that that is a wrap on uh, Abby the food scientist YouTube channel and if you guys want to learn more about you know food crimes or anything else related to the food industry food science in a fun informative way please go check out abby's channel it is abby the food scientist Um, you can literally type that into youtube Mm -hmm. and it should be the first channel that pops up and we'll also link it in the show notes Uh, yep absolutely Um, and also, you know, as you you guys know, Abby is actually doing her postdoc mm-hmm. right now in Wahaningen. So mm-hmm. we're going to have another episode out on that as well, where we kind of talk to Abby about grad school, academia differences between the U.S. versus the Netherlands. I think there's a lot of interesting topics that we can go through. We touch on a little bit just now as well. But if you're interested in that, that's going to be our next episode. So please keep an eye out for that.